The Scotiabank Women Initiative is a signature program designed to increase economic opportunity for individuals who identify as women or non-binary to be successful now and in the future. This unique offering helps women pursue their best professional and financial futures by providing unbiased access to capital and tailored solutions, bespoke specialized education, holistic advisory services, and mentorship. For more information, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Welcome to the Startup Women Podcast, a show where we connect you, Canada's powerful cohort of women-identifying founders, to real stories and case studies of women-building businesses, supported by true, tactical advice from thought leaders and industry experts. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO of Startup Canada. Each month, I'll be sharing the mic with one founder and one expert. Together, we will dive into real stories and scenarios and uncover actionable advice for women entrepreneurs across Canada. From funding and hiring to sales and scaling strategies, on this show, we cover the most important topics so you can deconstruct the challenges of starting and running a business with knowledge that goes beyond the surface level. Let's get started. Startup Canada's head office, located in Ottawa, is situated on the unceded, unsurrendered territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabe Nation. Startup Canada recognizes the inherent and treaty rights of Indigenous peoples. We acknowledge the ancestral and unceded territories of First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples. The Startup Women Advocacy Network, SWAN, is a curated group of 11 women-identifying, early-stage entrepreneurs who advocate and champion the needs of women entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast. Pragmaclin Research Aid aims to help patients with Parkinson's disease monitor their conditions using their flagship software, PRIMS. PRIMS is a patient assessment tool for supporting neurologists in the clinic. Pragmaclin envisions a world where patients can get help faster and with more accurate results. As Atlantic Canada's 30 Under 30, Pragmaclin CEO and co-founder Bronwyn Bridges is passionate about equal access to healthcare, neurodegenerative diseases, mental health awareness, and driving change through digital health solutions. We are delighted to have her as our Newfoundland and Labrador representative. To learn more, visit pragmaclin.com. Keisha Turner is an African Nova Scotian woman, innovator, and philanthropist. She is the co-founder of Starberry Drink Co., an all-natural refreshing drink made of whole strawberries, maple syrup, and water and runs Aquacon Enterprises. Aquacon guides organizations and their leaders on how to solve some of their most pressing, complicated problems by reconciling conflicting worldviews to build unique and distinct solutions. We're honored to have her as our Nova Scotian SWAN representative. To learn more, visit aquacon.ca and starberrydrink.co. To learn more about SWAN and the amazing work of these women founders, head to www.startupcan.ca slash startup dash women dash advocacy dash network dash 2023. Emma Devon is the co-founder and chief people and product officer at Brood Care, a modern care agency and community of birth workers, doulas, and parents. 
Brood is the future of family care and offers doula services, birth and postpartum care, and education through courses, webinars, and thought leadership. Everything Emma does is born from the intersection of their lived experience caring for families, their identity as a queer and trans person, and their passion to make care work sustainable and legitimized. People think, okay, well, I just got a daycare. I just got a spot in a daycare. We're good. Back to work. Yeah, right. Like, the first, like, entry into daycare can take a minimum of a month in terms of, like, gradual entry and then, like, literally having the hours and time that your kid is in care, let alone how your kid is adjusting. And then, hello, September, October, November, December, January, February, all illness months at a minimum. So not only are your kids constantly being sick and not in care, but then you're being sick. And so you're sick at home with a kid that you're taking care of and then you're trying to like work off the side of that. We are also joined by Lizzie Carp, co-founder and CEO of Brood. Lizzie's passions converge around creativity, entrepreneurship, and finding ways to expand accessibility and impact. It was during my parental leave and Jill's parental leave that this idea really came to be and was developed. It's a very meta story for, for Brood and our startup that it began in the experience of care and caring for one another. We must use a gender-inclusive language when we speak about families, parents, and caretakers. We must remove our assumptions around what family structures look like, who parents are, and what they need before, during, and after choosing to take parental leave. Emma and Lizzie have developed a language of care, and through this conversation, we were really able to learn how the words we use affect the experience people can have. This conversation reminds us to look at parents and caretakers as whole beings. It highlights the need for better education around setting up parental leave systems and brings awareness to creating workspaces that are safe and inclusive for all kinds of parents, caretakers, and families. Welcome to the show, Emma and Lizzie. Thank you. We're so glad to be here. Thanks for having us, Kayla. Right back at you. I have to say, the podcast producer, Maddie, and I have just been so excited about this conversation. And the more research that we've done in preparing for today's episode, the more important I think this conversation has become in, in my mind and in really the mind of so many women entrepreneurs. So I'm so excited to dive uh, into today's topic. Let's kick things off with some general background. Take us back to the very beginning of Brood and how all of this started. Why did you feel that it was really important to start this together and offer everything that Brood does to families and communities? Kick us off. I mean, we always joke that our punchline is a doula and two parents walk into a bar <laughs> and then Brood was born. But <laughs> the, way, the way we really started was I was a practicing doula in an active pandemic. I had a small agency with a handful of doulas on my team. Um, what's a doula? A doula, yeah. A doula is someone who supports people through their conception journey, their fertility journey, their pregnancy and postpartum and first year uh, postpartum into parenthood. And we support people with knowledge, education, emotional support, physical support, logistical support, emotional labor, like a whole host of things. Uh, I like to always joke that we're like a family member or a partner who is also a walking pregnancy and parenting book, but we have no bias and judgment, ideally. <laughs> All those things mm -hmm. kind of wrapped into one. Um, and so I was in a place where 
like I said, uh, dual in a pandemic, a couple of folks in my agency, and um, someone in my family structure suggested that I be the doula for our other co-founder, Jill Damborg. And so I supported her through um, her postpartum in that was in the first few weeks of the pandemic. So it was really intense. I was with her and Sunny and her partner, Brad, um, when no one else was around, her family wasn't around, and we navigated some pretty intense feeding journeys, um, postpartum mental health, recovering from a surgical birth. It was really, um, and it was profound for me having this kind of like under underneath connection through someone that was in my family structure. So there was a lot of intimacy built in. And then Jill passed me along to Lizzie when Lizzie got pregnant in June of that year, and I supported you through your pregnancy and postpartum journey. This is all true. This is true. (laughs) I found out I was pregnant with my first kid the weekend that George Floyd was murdered. Pretty intense time for all of us and an intense time to start a pregnancy journey. And at the time, I was um, running a film fund at TELUS. I've been in and out of organizations, and have, um, but I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And wrapping my head around a healthy pregnancy in a pandemic, uh, isolated from my families in the States. I was born in the U.S. Um, it was It was a lot. It was a lot to hold. And knowing that we would have, uh, Emma would have support through birth and right after just made, um, gave me the confidence to navigate, to navigate those pieces and find joy in them. Even when it was kind of the scariest thing that in many ways that we've all, we've all lived through. Um, and Hank was born in February, 2021. Emma was with me through a day long birth and labor mm-hmm. and right after and pat my partner also in the other room here and it was a really illuminating experience to access care and have care uh doula care in our home home care that was based in um in in-person in-person care education within a larger medical system and our eyes started opening and thinking about understanding Emma's business that they were running and really seeing what the impact of uh, this care had on my life, on Jill's life, on our community's life, on our kids, and imagining what if this care was accessible and understood by everybody. And what if those care workers had different access to support, had different access to marketing and business models, and just providing this for more people, more families. And those were the first germinations of of Brood and imagining what it could be. Ironically, and we're going to dig into it more, it was during my parental leave and Jill's parental leave that this idea really came to be and was developed. So it's a very meta um it's a very meta story for for Brood and our startup that it began in the experience of care and caring for one another. And you'll see that in how we talk about our work and how we work together. It, we are like very enmeshed in our understanding of family and the way that we support the people that we that we work with. Hmm. I love that. And so tell us more about what Brood is. What are the, you know, resources, courses, services that Brood offers and and who do you offer them to? You mentioned sort of the the dual um 
legs, I guess, of Brood. What what does that look like? So Brood offers support to families and communities of folks who are pregnant curious all the way through to the first year postpartum. But we also support um, doulas and the doulas on our team and care workers on our team to be able to, it's like, you know, nice little circular economy moment. We, when we have care workers that are well, they can provide much more impactful care to families that are needing that and that are in really vulnerable, kind of acute care times in their lives. And so how we do that is with our families, we provide them, you know, with care workers that are well and really supported and have um, mentorship and uh, community connection and support from us as a foundation at Brood as well as making sure that, you know, there's lots of continued education opportunities that, you know, with my little care worker brain, I'm going in and I'm thinking, okay, like, what's the next thing that we can support them to learn more about? What am I seeing as sticky points? And we're kind of wrapping that all into how we take care of our care workers. And then for our families, we're really looking at, okay, so you've got these care workers that are really well, they're coming in and supporting you in your home, in your hospital, wherever you're birthing, wherever your postpartum is, we're coming in and supporting you there, again, with knowledge, education, emotional support, mental support, logistical support, resources, all of that. And then what we also wanted to do is when you're like, it's 3 a.m., it's the middle of the night, you're up, you're nursing your baby, you're like, oh, shit, What's that thing my doula told me or what's that, you know, like, how do I, mm. how do I do, how do I like, you know, adjust the latch or what's this thing that I'm supposed to remember about baby sleep? We also have our family membership that families have access to. So you have access to all of our courses, which are, um, they range on topics like pregnancy, birth and postpartum through to feeding your baby um, for the first year. Uh, into the first year postpartum. We have a course on postpartum in the fourth trimester. We have a course on early parenthood. And we also have a course on miscarriage and loss, which um, we hold really dear to our hearts because there's not a lot of education and support around um, loss. So we have all those courses. We also have an online portal, which is kind of a place where I always joke and say, I hope that people go there instead of Dr. Google. (laughs) Ah, Dr. Google. Yeah, (laughs) just the worst. So it's got articles we love, podcasts we love, all of our educational resources. Everything's gathered in one place, trusted practitioners. Um, And then we've also got lots of our free resources. We've got our blog. We've got, you know, lots of little bite-sized pieces we're putting on social media. And then the last thing that our families at Brood have access to is our private virtual online community of parents and Mm. doulas. So it's another place where, again, 3 a.m., you maybe don't want to text your doula, throw it in our group. We've got all of our doulas in there. We can all come in and answer your question. And we're biased, but also a really cool community of parents that we think are (laughs) so awesome and um, engaged and valuable and incredible. Amazing. But like just this focus on community, on connecting the practical resources, like that is my whole raison d'etre is is streamlining support for those that need it. That's what we do at Startup Canada for founders. This is what you're doing for folks in general that are often um, bombarded with so much information. You're saturated with all of these different sources and all of these different perspectives and not knowing what you should be, you know, exploring your own intuition in, what you should be seeking support from various professionals. Where do you reach out to community? It's It just feels like a whole flurry of information at all times. Um, so I love that you've created these safe spaces to, um, you know, 
provide those opportunities for people to access on their on their own um, on their own journeys and and respecting the the places that they might be at all of these different parts of of what the parenting journey might look like for them. Um, incredible, absolutely incredible. So to kick off the conversation, we're going to be going into parenthood in entrepreneurship. That will be kind of the root of our conversation. But I want to talk about families and the idea of families and, and parental leave first, just to give some context to, to our listeners around what, what sort of this nuclear family and this, this bias or this tilt where we often consider, you know, a father, a mother, their children, usually a couple who's married um, and heterosexual. Of course, we know that, that family structures look so different than this today, but why does this nuclear family still inform so many of the policies, the expectations, how we structure, how we talk about parenthood um, and who a family is and what they might need? What issues really arise when we don't consider and include everything that families can be and look like? Um, walk us through your, your perspectives on that. I love that question. Families and kind of pulling apart family structures and understanding, you know, how nuclear, like the the focus on nuclear structures came to be. And then what does it mean when we're so, so focused on nuclear family structures as opposed to, you know, what larger family structures and abstract families can look like? And I mean, that's something that we really focus on a lot at Brood with like our family structure and all of the kids in it. Um, and we we really see the benefit of being able to navigate the challenges and joys and obstacles that life throws at you as a larger family structure. And it's also interesting, you know, like we have our own um, we have our own. Um, challenges and restrictions in that. And then there's, you know, like policy restrictions within that. Um, you know, there's logistical restrictions within that. And so um, I think it's really interesting when we look towards how can we create a landscape that's more accessible, where there's more equitable care, where there's more resources, where there's more representation. And we can kind of open up the dialogue and open up how we support people and what that can look like and how logistically we can adjust to include more families, even if it is potentially a more typical family of, you know, two parents, whether one is working, both are working, like, you know, 2.5 kids, white picket fence, like you can still find that in queer communities and those folks are still kind of being left out of many conversations and policy. And so I think it's interesting when we can really open it up um, and look at what all of the different kinds of families are and how we can yeah, look at focusing um, on creating that more diverse, accessible landscape. Yeah, and another, like, um, hearing you talk about that and thinking about this conversation within a startup context is this community is already making decisions to do things differently. And if you're having a kid mm. today, it's already going to look different than it did for our parents, even friends who had kids 10 years ago because we're juggling different career expectations, uh, you know, climate crisis, economic ups and downs. We've all been through a pandemic, an ongoing pandemic. Um, the decisions that we make are different. And I'm biased, but from what I've personally experienced in this community, especially women and non-binary folks in startup, is we are down with the uncertainty and we're okay to do things differently. Now it takes more effort to understand, unpack, and then learn as we go, but we're already here. 
So it's taking that time to, we're revising the rules as we go and we're trying to capture those learnings so that our kids, our friends, the people behind us can do things different. And there's nothing better than looking at the queer community, for example, or Black entrepreneurs or other people in this community who are already breaking rules to, to, to look at them and say, how, how, have you, how have you been doing this? How have you made it work for you? And from that moment, too, is it might sound really scary, but this is actually a place of power and a place of joy and a place of choice. We, we mm. you know, we, ch- we brewed, we chose each other and we choose this work and we choose to do it within a like a startup context. We're really proud to be a part of the fam tech community, like focusing on startup and tech solutions for families. And it's a whole community of people doing it different. It doesn't make it any less hard, but um, we're sort of figuring this all out together. And mm, I love that. I just, I had to pop in. You're just talking about how other folks have done it before us. And I think that that's something that I, I really lean into when it does get hard. And when we're like, damn, we're like rewriting some stuff and, um, that's not easy. And there's, yeah, a lot of beauty and choice and joy in that. And when it gets hard, I just lean into, you know, think about all the elders that have paved the way before me. Like, there's no way I'd be at a microphone um, like a good handful of years ago. And so I really lean into that and that um, knowing that, yeah, we're paving the way forward for the people behind us and looking, you know, ahead to all of the folks who paved it for us is also so fortifying. Mm. I love that. I love that. Before we get into some of the technical lessons on families and parental leave and all of the nuts and bolts of that, which I'm very excited to get into, um, I want to talk about language and what it really means to be gender inclusive in the context of parental leave. And um, even as I think of the parental leave policies that we have at Startup Canada, I naturally think of particular you know, pieces of language. And, and I'm, I'm personally very curious in this conversation are most organizations operating within an understanding of gender-inclusive language? Do you have prompts or questions that leaders can really ask themselves to you know, assess if the language that they are currently using is harmful or helpful? Um, can you walk our listeners through maybe some of those pitfalls or those blank spots that we often find ourselves in when talking about families and making sure that we're all aligning to much more inclusive language moving forward, maybe from this episode on? I mean, I think it's such a beautiful question. It's so it's so incredible to see you kind of understand the power of language and how it impacts parental leave and um having such an interest and willingness to host this conversation is so beautiful. I'm like, oh man, look at that major step forward. (laughs) Um, So that fills me with so much joy. Um, And I think unfortunately, a lot of folks uh, and organizations and uh, companies and corporations and the government there, there is not an awareness of the impacts of language and how it impacts families and how it impacts accessing parental leave. And I mean, my brain is already firing thinking, you know, of course, um, there's something about families that are queer, but I'm also thinking about families, you know, I've worked with a lot of surrogate families this year. Mm. And I'm thinking a lot about those parents. And how do we pick who goes on parental leave? Mm-hmm. How do you, and, and you know, there's a specific family I'm thinking of that one of the parents and partners is in the um, educational sphere. And so navigating that really intense bureaucracy and how he wasn't able to get parental leave because of some 
language that was so specific and it's so heartbreaking knowing, wow, you, you can't access this. And yet you have a newborn at home that is really demanding and you need to support your partner and to support your family unit. And you're not able to access that because of this language. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been interesting seeing the impacts of that in the past few years, as we've been working with more um, queer and trans families and alternate family structures I think my big thing is obviously always how do we kind of decenter the cis narrative and cis assumption? So how do we, you know, that that classic, like you were saying, father and wife married with 2.5 kids. How do we kind of pull that apart and go, okay, how do we include, yeah, the surrogate families where there's, you know, potentially it's you know, two men having a baby? How do we, you know, include them in the conversation about parental leave? How do we include trans families in that? How do we include, you know, um, how do we understand, pull it apart outside of, okay, whose body is birthing the baby and what gender is happening? If we just really zoom out, um, I find that a lot of time if we zoom out and we parental leave instead of, uh, you know, maternal, like maternity leave or whatever, if we just zoom it out, it tends to include a lot more people. And it's usually as simple as that. So that's, that's my big takeaway. And then like an organizational way, what's really important to us, and you were saying earlier, like our words make our worlds. And that really starts with how we talk about ourselves and how we understand how you know, what our family looks like and how we speak about our own experience. And then it also means either for leaders or founders or, I mean, really anyone in an organization is taking the time to do the research. And whether that's, um, you know, listening to other voices, talking to people in your community, paying someone with lived experience, something that we've all been sort of learning and talking about. I hope, I think, within the last few years. But we don't have to be perfect. And there's so many amazing resources. We're going to send a bunch. But it is taking the time to learn and invest in creating words and structures that um, can work for everybody. And it's an investment in yourself and your organization. This sounds very meta. But there's some little things that we have done. All of our courses, we made the effort, not the effort, we made the decision and the commitment to use all gender inclusive language for our courses. Mm. We don't advertise this. It just is. And um, it's amazing to know that uh, that's out there, which means anyone, any partner, any person can learn about pregnancy and right after in a way that works for them. And that's a really, you know, small and bold decision. We also give our families, like our clients, lots of opportunity to talk about themselves in a way that works for them, whether it's telling us like about their pronouns, about their family, whether they're partnered or not, whether they have multiple partners. Um, we also, and if things change, often things change in people's lives, especially between one partner and the next. Um, you know, that's even elements outside of uh you know, pronouns people use or their partners. It could be other health elements or things going on in their life. Just letting people talk about themselves really, really helps and taking the time to listen. And, oh, this one, yeah, not being perfect. 
we're going to mess up. We do. We always do. And that's something that uh, is has been really helpful for me personally in my own journey as like, you know, being a co-founder and supporting lots of families and different kind of care workers is knowing that we can still make assumptions about people, about their parenting journey, about their role in a startup. Uh, we make assumptions about resources that people have. People think that we have lots of resources right now. Like we do not. Um, so it's it's just taking a beat and um, you really do end up being being so much better for it. But saying out loud, it is a lot of work. And we're also here to like, if you need to message us and ask questions, like we're, we are a non-judgmental. Works in progress. Yes. <laughs> non-judgmental <laughs> works in progress. I love it. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that the research piece is so important because even if, if I think of myself creating, um, you know, Startup Canada's parental leave policies and, and consulting mm-hmm. many legal experts to make sure you're aligning your legal language to what the government of Canada might be positioning, mm-hmm. that is only mm-hmm. going to bring you so far. And that language, I would say, is, is not as inclusive as it needs to be. So balancing the structure that we are naturally living in and that we are still having to adhere by to try to even attempt to receive any type of benefit, you know, EI aside, which many founders are not able to access, which we'll talk about in a second, um, but taking all that intel and then also doing your own independent research and finding out, um, you know, within your company structure, what is the policy you're able to create? What is What are aspirational targets you might be able to create in the future as you get more stability, et cetera? Like, I'm really curious in getting both of your perspectives. For early stage founders that are navigating this potentially with their first employee or their second employee who don't necessarily have the financial means to offer as as generous of a benefits policy as they might be able to, but that's an aspirational goal. Um, What are some incremental steps that can honor um, some of, of these commitments to supporting parents in the workplace, but recognizing the resource implications of that. Like this is a tricky thing a lot of founders come to us with. And I, you know, I know I don't have the answer. I'm navigating this similar journey with myself. Um, what are the incremental sort of baby steps to begin that journey? Okay. We're going to get into it. We're getting into it. it. Parental leave. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to brood this. We're going to, we're going to doula parental leave together. Um, <laughs> you were really just setting this up perfectly. This is one of the most complex parts of of parenthood or supporting parents. It's emotional, it's logistical, financial, you're navigating policy. And if it's startup, it is un- like it is so fucking uncertain. It is everything. It's also a milestone in, you know, this person, this family's journey. This shit's real. It's happening. We often um, and in my, well, I'll talk a lot about my personal experience and we've spoken to a ton of friends with different, um, um, roles and I've got lots of stories to share too. But what's interesting is we really focus on the beginning of parental leave. Mm-hmm. When is this person off? How long are they taking? How are they sharing it with partner or partners? And we often forget about the end coming back to work, mm-hmm. what that looks like. Are there options? What do they need to balance two jobs? Because parenting, being a caregiver, whatever that looks like, you now have two jobs um, or probably more than that in a startup role. So it's taking a beat to say, this is really complicated. Kayla White, the reason why it's hard is because it's designed to be hard and we're creating the rules like from brand new and because we don't, we want to do this right. And 
we're navigating a lot. So that being said, it's a big mess. Let's like dig in a little bit further. Like that's comforting um, to hear that it's not, am I missing this playbook that's on the internet of how someone takes parental leave? Like this is deeply complicated. We, we do have some playbooks that we will share. There, There's, there are, and there, there are people who've done um, and really focused on the, um, like the policy piece, the HR piece, mm. like really putting this down. And again, it's so great. I'll share some really wonderful resources. But we often find, and especially in supporting, like we are in home supporting families, it's, um, it is this identity piece. Like people really, um, people who are planning on taking parental leave, having their own work identity stuff, especially in the startup role where your work is your worth and your who you are. There's that. There's planning for your finances for the business, especially right now. Very scary. There's planning for your own financial health. Um, there's thinking about your work relationships with your team, your co-founders, your big clients. Like, that's a lot. Um, you're thinking about navigating all these government systems, right? Like managing um, if you are privileged enough to live and work in Canada. M- most of you probably listening are. Like, we. it is a... It's a, although it is hard and imperfect, it is a privilege that our friends in many places, especially in the U.S., are like fighting and dying for right now. So um, uh, it's really political. It's inherently political. Being a parent, it's very political. Um, being in a femme body is very political. And uh, you just want to take time to recover and be with your baby or babies, healthy, healthy kids. So no policy, no manual is going to um, take all of that away. Um, But we know that naming and acknowledging all of those pieces just helps us make sense of why this feels so hard, right? Why this feels so much. What did I miss in the lead up? And then we'll talk about the the what to do now. Yeah. And I think that this is something we talk a lot about is how can we support how can we support the entire, like we want to do the thing where we're giving you all of the information. We want to make a joy forward evidence-based, but we don't want to overwhelm someone or bring a lot of fear mongering in. Like we don't want to do any of that. And so it's this, it's this really tricky dance of how do we give you as much information as you can to make as much of an informed decision as you can without overwhelming you and not making sure that you're more resourced to also make this decision. And so I think that that's that's another piece that we juggle with a lot. Mm-hmm. So, Kayla, like, with where where are you at right now in thinking about this within your team? So we are implementing a new parental leave policy. So we have been working with our lawyers to add um, top-ups, to review language, to um, support this to our expanding team as well. We went from a very kind of volunteer to contract to full-time journey over the last, you know, handful of years. Um, And it has been a priority of mine. It has also taken way longer to get this policy up and running. And that's with full board support. That's with full obvious support from our team, management support, et cetera. Um, And it has felt like this dance almost of what what can we offer everyone Mm -hmm. that wants to be on this journey of parenthood, but also... um, I mean, assuming that not every single person on our team would would become parents overnight today, um, what would be that implication for the organization? And could we withstand um, that 
uh, additional support financially? Would we be able to um, you know, hire and manage the HR implications of that? It's really just thinking through, I guess, structurally, financially, um, but knowing that this has to be a priority and it, and it, it has the space and energy and um, urgency, but still I can see myself even, is this enough? Is it not enough? What is enough for parents, et cetera? Um, and just sort of looking and researching at so many different models and being a little bit overwhelmed through that process as well, right? There's, mm-hmm. you know, the best government of Canada policy, the, you know, all of these different corporate structures we can look at, other startups that are doing things differently. Um, there's a lot of information out there, but it's also very hard to find, I'm discovering. So it's been a lot of uncovering and kind of going through um, back end, you know, conversations, et cetera, because a lot of this stuff isn't published either, which I find super fascinating, but it's definitely been a journey. Have you? had anyone use it? Not yet. No, that's actually such a great question. We've never had somebody on our team take a parental leave, which is shocking to me. Um, And, you know, we've been around for about 10 years. Um, And so that I think speaks volumes um, to the lack of of support. I think there has been historically on our team, to be honest, and, and even more urgency that we need to make this a safer space for folks to actually take a parental leave. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's a, a really important question. It's something I actually think about all the time. It's, I mean, you, you're really doing the work. It's, you're so committed to the team and, you know, we really are only, you're only going to learn from people's experience and learning from them as they go. Because mm-hmm. as we were saying, um, if you have all the legalities and you have a team, you're thinking about capacity for your team, um, it really will only be having someone, ha- like having someone, you know, have a kid take that leave in whatever way that looks like, reintegrate back into the organization to then understand. And it's always about, you know, reiterating. One thing that we were talking about is, and this assumption piece and why like really deconstructing family before we dove in is so brilliant, is making assumptions that people want to become parents or biological parents. That's also an assumption we're not making anymore, but it's using parental leave to think about um, like grief and loss, whether that's for parents or friends or pet bereavement, like having that as a policy um, where all of us are heading into being a part of the sandwich generation. So we're having different kind of caregiving um, needs come up in our in our families and in our lives. So is it taking time off to... Uh, like using this thing to take time off to take care of an elder or an aging parent, you know, is is thinking about those family needs and those family care needs, there's possibly a bigger way. Granted, yes, we're working within, um, you know, parental leave, like the government, EI, paying to EI, you know, managing those benefits, and that's different. But there is a lot of work that we can be doing. And there are expectations from, I think, our, like, share generation and the people behind us that, that they they really need to see that commitment and that understanding that um, that family needs that family care needs might not be just about having having a baby. It's a great point. There's something I also like in my experience of taking care of families. It's gonna be a version of what you're experiencing, Kayla, with you know parental leave. How do we do this? They're going parenthood. How do we do this? And something I'm always telling families is like, don't feel like you just need to ace it all and 
you know, do everything right and have all the answers. And I feel like that's something I want to share with everyone here too is outsource, you know, like, Mm. like who are the, can you, for example, obviously I'm going to go this way, but if you want to support your, you know, employees, the people who are working with you, your community, if you want to support them, then like come to Brood, for example, give them educational resources through courses, like make people more resourced in that way, as opposed to feeling like you need to tackle it all on your own and figure it all out from scratch. Like there are people who have figured it out before us and who have resources and an understanding and have done research and how can we involve them in the journey and how can we pay them for all of that work as opposed to being like, oh, my God, I need to redo it all by myself. Like we need to you know, rewrite the playbook. It's like, OK, how do we how do we outsource and loop, loop folks in? That's, that's such a good reminder. Another thing, well, I'm kind of holding two people. I'm thinking about two people right now. The people mm-hmm. like us who have teams who are supporting them, imagining them step into parenthood or whatever family and care needs they have. Then there's those folks who run their own organization or work for a startup and they're pregnant curious or they're newly pregnant or maybe planning on stepping into that. And when I was thinking and reflecting on my own experience and talking to friends who've taken parental leave, some of the things that really helped, like for those who are experienced, like are pregnant or en route to being that is I loved having two kinds of mentors or friend tours, we call them, like friends going friend to tours. <laughs> Um I was uh, um, pregnant at the same time with a very good friend who I worked with. I was actually her manager. Christy, love you. And we were able to navigate an incredibly complex um, like family leave scenario together, compare notes, mm-hmm. share deta- like reminders um, with like three-week-old babies on doing paperwork. There's a lot of paperwork um, and really go through it together. That was so powerful, um, mm-hmm. having someone that is not your partner help you. And then having um, a mentor who is six or nine months ahead of you, someone who, uh, especially in, in parenthood, has has been through it enough that they can show you that there is another side through whatever you know exciting hurdles that you're going through that you will make it and they just keep growing with you and I am but I feel so lucky to be behind um, amazing parents of you know 18 year olds all the way down to like five year olds and three my kid is two and a half um, so that's something I would really like recommend if you are moving through this right now is find that. Find those, find those friends to navigate it with you. Um, and then thinking more holistically, like if you're planning your own parental leave, whether it's sharing with a partner or yourself, is holistic planning is, again, not just for like getting your nursery set up and having your birth plan. Also call us. We can help you with that. But it's a parental leave, whether it's three months, six months, nine months, 18 months, is um, – we see a lot of challenges are when people are planning to go back to work or they're slowly mm-hmm. tiptoeing back into work. You've had this experience. You've maybe had some feelings of grief and loss about your identity. There's a term matrescence that's interesting, which is about like really stepping into motherhood or parenthood. You're a completely different person, but you can't work the same way. I, I cannot work the same way that I did, which is a good thing and a hard thing. Um, but how... Uh, 
you know, how might you give yourself the space to um, to tiptoe back into work, to phase back into work, to to engage with? Um, we were really brainstorming brood. There's a legend that we were brainstorming during labor. I can't really remember that. Cause I was busy. It's true. We were brainstorming like brood. seven business ideas in labor. Oh I was like God. busy. Just be in labor. But people cope in all kinds of ways. You know, think of good ideas in the shower, good ideas when you're birthing, you know. <laughs> same, same. Wow. Um, but this concept, it was so real. It's like, it's, it's obviously a passion for us, but mm. I was so excited to work on something, to mm. have support. Um, and then I would walk through the neighborhood with, uh, Hank was like, I don't know, three, three seconds old. weeks old. Yeah. And and I was able to step into a different place of work. Um, a friend had mentioned that she loved working on volunteer boards during her parental leave because it, she was able to not do the work, write an email, do anything time sensitive, but she was able mm. to still be engaged, still feel like like herself, which is what a lot of um, new parents parents talk about. Uh, so that that work identity piece and that returning back to work is something that we think about a lot. And then there's the really the logistics about recovery and sleep. Do you want to talk about like sleep support? Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, I think there's a little known fact. And I was doing an in-service for a physio clinic, like full of pelvic floor physios, right? Like experts in our field. And I just came in to talk about, I was kind of talking about, you know, parents' capacity, which are the clients of this clinic. And we were talking about them because there are clients and families too. And it was so funny to be in a room of physios and being like, hey, here's all the ways that parents are impacted by parenthood. And they were all kind of like, oh my God. And so then you're like, okay, right. If the experts are also, you know, sometimes in shock at to how um, diminished the resources, like parents are in their resourceness, Obviously, the average person is going to be like have such a far, far, far away understanding of that. And the one fact that always I always try to highlight is that infants and newborns literally do not have a circadian rhythm for six to nine weeks. And I just kind of tell parents nine weeks because it's a gradual, you know, turn on. It's not like at six weeks, woo, I have a circadian rhythm. No, <laughs> it's usually about nine weeks where you're kind of partying through the night every single night. So you're waking up every two to three hours for a minimum of nine weeks straight. And Lizzie's going to laugh at this, as is every parent listening to this. In what world does your baby then sleep through the night at nine weeks old? Not None of them. So then you have to make the decision of, okay, wow, so now my kiddo has a circadian rhythm, but what is sleep for the next 12 to 18 months, you know, how are we going to engage with it? What does our family want to do with that? There's a whole new set of decisions in terms of are we sleep training? Are we not? How does this feel in terms of like our family's values and morals and like our um, style of parenting? And then it's a practice, you know, like sleep is a practice. We all, again, as founders understand how our sleep is impacted and how much work we have to take to protect our sleep health. Well, imagine you're trying to teach that to a tiny person while your own sleep is getting impacted. And it's really interesting and wild and, and heartbreaking how many parents have postpartum insomnia. That's something that mm. we talk a lot about at Brood. Um, Jill's really open about her own experiences with postpartum insomnia. And it's this, you know, um, phenomenon that we see a lot when parents are so focused on 
curating healthy sleep habits for their babies and, um, you know, navigating, again, feeding them through the night. What does lactation look like? What does nursing look like? How do we keep doing this as we're going on vacation or just, you know, having daylight savings time? And then your own sleep as a parent is usually deprioritized. And then you, oh, whoop, you have insomnia at six to nine months postpartum potentially. And then you're gearing up to go back to work. And not only are you sleep deprived, but now you also have insomnia. So it's so, it's so much. And that's why I think like, you know, the focus on supporting parents to be more resourced and to engage in their community and ask for care and understand what asking for care is and what receiving help and care is, is really vital to navigating all of these things. Because that sleep piece is just a very small percentage of what parents are navigating in the first 18 months. But when we kind of dial into it, people are like, holy shit. Yeah. Absolutely. And then on the the startup side of this as well, one element that, that I hadn't considered until fairly recently was, you know, if you come back to an organization that is naturally, you know, in a startup mode, it's growing, it's changing, it's constantly evolving. You come back six, nine, 12 months later, you're potentially coming back to an entire different company. If you're the founder, if you are, you know, somebody that plays um, a senior role, if you're an employee, how does that feel coming to not only, you know, this, this brand new role as a parent, but also coming back into an environment that is completely unfamiliar where processes have changed, all these different elements have evolved. There's so much turbulence that that in that moment I can, I can imagine. Um, And, and we don't talk about this. Like, I I don't think a single person that, you know, I've, I've talked to through an incubator program or an accelerator or any formal programming when it comes to entrepreneurship, this is not even a small bullet under any of the formal, you know, learning about setting up your business, incorporating, you know, considering all these different growth trajectories for your business. There's no space for this conversation. Why do you think that is? I'm, well, I mean, hmm. patriarchy. Uh, Capitalism. Completely. Like, um, how cool is it that we're having this conversation and we're making parenthood and family care the priority? And we're mm-hmm. saying that this feels different, but it's true. Like people would, I'm from, the, I was born in the States, I'm a dual citizen. And I think about my friend's reactions when I said I was taking 18 months off. Mm-hmm. They're so used it's to what, 12, it's 12 weeks in the U.S. It is the, weeks, if that's, if that, um, wow. but the, um, Parenthood is both um, uh, like celebrated and performed, and it's also really hidden away. You're pumping in rooms. You're not Mm -hmm. asking for help. And we are at this crisis moment. It's taken this crisis, maternal death rates, lots of horrible stuff, this care crisis for people to say, this sucks. This is not okay. We actually do need to talk about this because we can't do our jobs. And something that, that, so it is hard and we do need to work in a different way. We need to manage each other in a different way. I think, you know, women and queer people in leadership positions are ready for this. We are we are actually better at this, at holding all the tr- the truths differently. But there is power and there is power in this moment. And there's something really cool. You know, Brood was started with Jill and I on parental leave. She took a job. <laughs> strategically knowing that she would have a really supportive parental leave with childcare built in. Didn't know what she was going to do next. Mm. Um, On parental leave, I knew I wanted to do something different. I didn't know what that was. Brood was born in this moment. There's something so magical about that. Um, We've met and collaborated with so many businesses that were also started 
during people's like mat and parental leaves um better basics uh friends of ours that like the same thing happened um sam is about to go on her second parental leave um maven says they've they're in toronto they also tell the story about um starting these like amazing um slippers built for um mostly like women's feet and foot challenges especially after having a kid like these are problems that people are solving during this time and they're developing um, their business models based on this moment. So there's actually something really amazing in here. Um, and yet it's harder for people to fundraise when people know that there are kids involved, caregiving involved, um, our capacity is lower, we can't invest 16 hours a day in our business. So we're just holding these these two truths at the same time. But I just want to go back to something you said about like, you'd be returning back to an organization that's completely different. And maybe there's a way to plan for that that's less about excluding someone from that evolution. But an example, so we're sitting in the Kelly and Kelly podcast studio in Vancouver. Um, Lauren Berkovich, who's a managing partner for her second um, parental leave, she had did, wanted it to be different than her first time around. And so she, you know, running her own media startup, um, said, I know that I'm actually going to return a different person. So I'm going to outsource. Um, I'm going to get a fractional CFO. I'm going to get a fractional marketer. And they're just going to be built into the business plan now because I will not, with two kids, be able to do that work. And that structure, which is now almost five years old, really served her and this company to this day. Finding these opportunities when we are in control of how we can how we can change and shift to make those um, more, then that's why we say like, look at this holistically and also look at the return as a big part of the plan um, and make it better, like better for business and better for the organizations. And parents just get shit done. It's so true. Parents are like, (laughs) I might work different. I might have a different ability um, or like time than I did, Mm -hmm. but the, um, the, the output and the passion is unlike anything and your perspective right oh yeah that's unreal like just Mm -hmm. cuts through the noise like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. the lessons of parenthood and I mean I'm thinking back to the first like year of developing and building brood and thinking about you know the things that really held us when we had no resources um very little resources and we were just you know really bootstrapping still are we really leaned into what we called flexible accountability, mm-hmm. really leaned mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. We'd be like, okay, these are our goalposts. These are the things we need to do. And we're going to be flexible because there's two new human beings that are a part of this and aren't helping with the workload, but they're a part of this. <laughs> and love you, Sonny and Hank. Mm-hmm. And we also leaned into really meeting each other where we were at Mm -hmm. and helping to reduce barriers wherever that was. So if that was a Zoom meeting where the amount of amazing Zoom meeting screenshots I have where Lizzie and Jill are both feeding the babies in all of the different ways is amazing. Or being like, okay, we couldn't get childcare today. Okay, here's where we're going to have the meeting. Here's how we're going to do it. Here, you know, the priority is meeting together. Here's barriers we're going to reduce. Here's, you know... I can feed you in this way. I can do this in this way. You know, mm. will the amount of meetings we've had on the way to pick up or whatever, mm-hmm. like daycare pickup, mm-hmm. we just really have developed a language of care 
and a language of support and help. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's a, it's a whole language. Like we had to develop it and And really work together. It's not, it's not perfect. And we're, you know, we were right before we jumped on, we were saying this is so timely um, because we know at some point, not immediately, but at some point we'll be supporting Emma through a, a parental leave. We don't know what that looks like, but it's a commitment. You will be the first. Well, maybe not. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but this, like, we have these experiences to take from our own, from from us and then our community to say, this will be very meta when you have kids mm-hmm. to do this. Mm-hmm. But it's going to mm-hmm. happen. It will happen. Mm-hmm. It will change the business. It will um we won't be starting from scratch, but we love even naming that now. Um, yeah. It could be years from now, but we know we're like, we are committed to making sure that we are in a place that is stable enough and supportive enough to, to make that happen. And that's, you know, we were saying earlier, is like, why don't we talk about this? Is we have to both not make assumptions and just normalize the conversation so that if people want to opt into parenthood, they can't, they can. Um, but you don't want to be, you know, a person with a uterus over 30 and people looking at you being like, so. Are you a ticking time bomb? Do you have a secret? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going through something? Are you not? Are, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a different podcast, which is fundraising while pregnant or with mm. kids. Um, that could be a part too. That we are currently that we are currently doing, um, yeah. And to that, I think part of the challenge, and even in my own research of seeing, you know, different models to even look to for inspiration, this information is not in one consolidated place to say here are all of your different types of parental leave options. If you're a nonprofit, if you're corporate, if you know, looking at different fundraising cycles that naturally your business might be going through as a startup, all these different options are amorphous, they are impossible to find, and you're often just having conversations, which um, you know, is is helpful to get more texture and color, et cetera. But it takes a tremendous amount of time for many founders to even conceptualize what those options are. Um, and I would love to get a sense from from both of you if you could illustrate or paint a picture of different structures you've seen to maybe help our listeners kind of see what this can look like. You know, we have these conversations often around, you know, women identifying founders and to see it and be it, et cetera. But this is never a secondary sort of level that we share these types of stories of how have they navigated through um, and how can we use those templates to inspire either change for the future, that things that weren't as supportive as we thought, um, and share those learnings actively. So I'd love to get maybe some concrete examples from both of you if you wouldn't mind sharing. I have a few. Do any come to mind for you? Yeah. You go for it. I mean, this is a sad story, joyful story. Mm-hmm. I know someone who is queer, so anytime you're queer – like family planning is just a really thoughtful thing has to be, mm-hmm. which again, joy, choice, heartbreaking, all the things in one. And as this person was planning to take parental leave, they understood that EI wasn't really an option. It didn't really feel worth it to them in terms of the like financial investment and the return. And so what felt like the best option was taking a line of credit out um, and then using that as like a DIY parental leave to then be able to take some time off. Um, and really like the priority was, okay, what's my parental leave so I can take time off and heal from birth and understand like what it means to be a parent, like start that journey. And then also the second part to that was, okay, so I have enough time to organize childcare so I can then 
be more resourced to, you know, engage with work in a new way. So it, it also had this fluidity to a timeline where, okay, that could be three months, that could be six months, whatever it looks like. Um, I have that flexibility in a way that EI didn't really give um, in terms of the money freedom. That's one example, DIYing it. So we have seen everything from like solopreneurs to like small founders to, to people in larger organizations. The solo like preneur people writing or working for themselves, um, there is flexibility in planning for this financially. You're not worrying about a team or capacity. It is on you. Uh, the stories we have heard and have asked our community to share have been the return to work has been harder. Uh, getting back into a flow, balancing childcare, which is also, we did not get into that because it is a whole other conversation, but balancing childcare and support to then go back to your business if you do not have a team is really, really challenging. But that parental leave is usually a combination of personal savings, business savings, and then EI, government support. For those in more like larger organizations and startup or like Kelly and Kelly, like running a business, it is also a combination of ensuring that employees or founders are on salary and that they are paying into EI as well as savings. Um, and if the company is able to do a top up, uh, as a part of a benefits package or larger benefits package, that is also an option. In startup, I really haven't heard about it being longer than an additional three to six months. I don't think many can afford more than that. But often the flexibility, the ability to work from home, the flexible hours is actually more supportive for parents on the other side. So many people do stay in those roles, which is really interesting, sort of that holistic pullout of, of what works for people. Um, and then uh, like personal experience and many others where uh, they either have a startup or they can plan for the future, go into a more corporate setting for a, um, more, what am I want to say, more fulsome package. Uh, we see a lot of people do that. Yeah, that was my own experience knowing that I was ready to build something but stayed for a uh, uh, parental leave. Um, and in Canada, I was able to take an 18 month. Some of that was unpaid, um, but a combination of paid and unpaid. Uh, we've also seen um, and heard from lots of different kinds of parents who have shared their parental leave, um, parents of all different genders, handing off that um, primary caregiver role and sharing those um making sure that they have those paid months to, to cover the basic costs. Uh, those can all look really different. Um, having examples of, of um, you know, different kind of families navigating that or even like a cis-hetero family and having the, um, like, dad the, to take three or five or six months of parental leave I think is really important. We really need more examples of that. Mm. Um Uh, yeah. So really the elements and people in our community, it's people want time with their kid. They want time to recover. They want time to recover from burnout. So it's finding ways to give them as much time and capacity as possible. If people want to go back to work, 
This is also something that we've seen fairly recently. Some people want to go back. Some people want to go back to work as soon as six weeks, really. And it's also making sure that they have that choice and that option to to do so. Um, so these are the things that you're balancing: government money and top ups, benefits, figuring out if people are on your salary and payroll, understanding what the business can afford. Do you have backup? Do you have a backfill? Um, like a pat leave backfill, is there an opportunity for someone in your organization to take on that role and you know level up in some way? Um, yeah. So it's a shit mix. It's no shit. one size fits all. Um, but what we but there's do know, a spectrum yeah, of choice. There's a spectrum. Of, what we do know that works is choice is. Um, if you're the first one in the organization that you look outside and that um, there's really so many conversations about the reentry, the reentry here around sleep, around sickness, around this ongoing pandemic, it's it's really more about that first year back too that's that needs a lot of care. Yeah, I think to touch on the child care piece because it's a it's a nice part. Please do. It's so people think, okay, well, I just got a daycare. I just got a spot in a daycare. We're good. Back to work. Yeah, right. Like the first like entry into daycare can take a minimum of a month in terms of like gradual entry and then like literally having the hours and time that your kid is in care, let alone how your kid is adjusting. And then hello, September, October, November, December, January, February, all illness months at a minimum. So not only are your kids constantly being sick and not in care, but then you're being sick. And so you're sick at home with a kid that you're taking care of. And then you're trying to like work off the side of that. And so I think that it's this, again, the continued leaning into flexible accountability and understanding that you have a kid now that's a part of your life or kids that are part of your life. And you just really have to, like, they're folded into what this all looks like. And there's not going to be a patchwork solution where they just disappear and you get to be this person that you were before and you get to perform in this way. And so I think that that's a thing to think of um, when we have expectations for parents. Like, yes, they're powerhouses of work and perspective and um oh my gosh can they what can they bang out in a nap in an hour is unreal the like bursts of work are phenomenal and the like power of like when they happen is unreal and understanding that parents need that ability to rewrite what it looks like for them and when they access that because if we force them into it like that's just never going to work Ever. Do you think there's been a massive shift in that um, historically seeing, okay, you're physically in an office, you've, you're putting on work hat versus, you know, coming home and putting on childcare hat or that type of thing. Now that we're working much more remotely or now that that conversation has entered in, have you seen that be a catalyst for more conversations around this flexibility and, and um, approaching parenthood in a more blended fashion versus just, you know, you're either wearing hat number one or hat number two? Totally. And I think that you know, it's like all the viral videos of like kids bursting into like really important meetings that like, you know, we saw in the first year of the pandemic that are so like, this is so funny. And it's such a beautiful thing to get to kind of blend those worlds and have access to parenting. And it's also a huge burden because now you're not changing hats. You're wearing a stack of like 10 hats constantly. And that is a huge burden to constantly carry and not to be able to get to have the privilege of compartmentalizing 
Mm. Um, so I think it's this, it's, it's, it's twofold as is everything in parenthood, but I don't necessarily think it's, um, just a easily beneficial thing where I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah. we fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Parents are suffering. I don't think mm-hmm. that, um, it's necessarily been an overall positive thing. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. So rounding out our episode, I feel like we could have a part two childcare, part three, looking at all these different parts, which we may have to do because uh, this is not uh, you know, going to be, we're not going to cover everything in just a one hour podcast episode. Um, but if you had any final advice, final words that you want to really leave with our listeners, um, what can leaders be reflecting on after this conversation to bring into their teams, solo founders, et cetera? Um, what are some final thoughts you want to leave uh, with our listeners today? Thinking about care and centering care in your workplace is better for everyone, better for you, better for your team, for your clients. It is the most important value right now, and we're seeing that in all of the conversations that are happening. And the investment might feel uncomfortable and it might feel tricky, but you will you will need care. You will be providing care at some point in your life. So stepping into that leadership space and knowing that you have the ability and the flex, like you have the power and control to do that in your own organization is an incredible place to be. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a privilege and a place of power to really take that on. I love that. Looking at parents as whole beings that have whole selves and that are coming to this, like we're talking about, wearing the many hats, needing flexible accountability, like understanding that concept and that a parent is going to be many things and also um, has incredible power within that. I think that that's such a good place to start when we're thinking about, okay, what does parental leave look like? What does... Um, reorganizing your role look like? What does you as a person in this moment look like? I think that when we really understand the layers of a person as a parent, that's a really beneficial way to start and continue these conversations. And it's joyful. There's so much joy in it. It's hard, but it's the best. It's the best. It's the best. It's hard. I mean, that's the entrepreneurship journey, right? It's unbelievably challenging and hard and lonely often, but um, can be better than you can ever imagine. Uh, so I feel like that's actually a really interesting parallel right there. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you so much, Lizzie. This was an amazing episode. And again, we might just be doing multiple extras on top of this to cover even more ground. Um, but final, ask for you, where do we find more information about Brood? What's the best way to access these resources and find more intel? Broodcare.com for a website and at Broodcare on the social medias, all of them. Thank you for Thank you. making this conversation happen and, and being so thoughtful and curious. It's It just says a lot about your team and what you're thinking about. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for joining us on the Startup Women podcast, where we are committed to telling the stories of women entrepreneurs and uncovering actionable advice that goes beyond the surface level. The Startup Women podcast is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles. 
Visit startupcan.ca to explore the Startup Women flagship program and access advisory support and free resources. Be sure to check out the show notes to access important links, resources, and information that we mentioned during today's episode. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to another episode next month.